fair to say I have a question. What do you think about this? How do you cover a death in the family? More specifically, how do you cover the death of the father of the greatest athlete of a generation? Because I feel like what they did to MJ was kind of messed up. I think when it comes to something, a subject as sensitive as that, you need to, uh, there's, there's certain morals and ethics that, you know, you abide by when, you, when you're in that profession in journalism. And I think it's best to leave speculation out of it unless you have evidence to back up your claim. And someone as popular as Jordan at the time, anything you say, that's going to that's gonna fall on the ears of everybody in the world. So you have to be real careful about what you say. And with the death of his dad, there was a lot of speculation that he had a role in it, whether directly or indirectly because of his gambling or because of some other issues, people that he messed with. And uh, I think as a journalist, it, you, you have a lot, you have a big responsibility to, to make sure you're reporting the facts and leave speculation out of it. I bring this up because we're recording this on a Monday in the year 2020 of our Lord. 220-somethings are speculating about the death of Michael Jordan's father based on faulty information printed by journalists in 1994, 1993, in which fabricated accounts of Michael's debts were responsible for the death of his father. Hey, it's kind of a hard subject to talk about. All right, what was the last thing you said? It, it, you're right. It's a hard subject to talk about. I was just, you know, referencing to the fact that it's important to something that you said, that it's important to uphold certain standards journalistically when reporting in general. But I was just wondering about the legalities also of reporting rumors when it comes to the death of a family member that's not a public figure. If that makes any sense. I, I don't know how much legality plays a role or, or how much laws play a role in uh, the reporting of something like that. There's like, I don't know if, if we're trying to go this direction, but there's obviously like HIPAA laws and things like that. You don't disclose patient information, but I mean, this is a deceased person. So I don't even know if HIPAA laws would apply here. For a journalist, there's really, uh, I'm not too familiar with, with the regulations that journalists have to abide by, but I don't think there's set list of rules or regulations that they have to that they have to follow i think it's really a, a moral guiding principle but there's nothing concrete that that says you need to do it this way or you need to do it that way i think it's up to each individual and what they're comfortable with i agree with you i'm not trying to start off on a on a negative note because i don't want to have a negative you know i don't want to have a negative conversation i want to get back to the funny but that's the first thing that hit me when i was watching episode eight was the fact that we, 20-somethings, were arguing a week ago, or talking a week ago, speculating on the reasons for the death of Michael's father. And we were bringing up rumors published by, by journalists almost 30 years ago that had no evidence to back it. But it doesn't matter because once you publish it, it's fodder for everyone to absorb. Yeah, I mean, the documentary uh, talks, talks a little bit about how for Jordan, it was basically kicking a man while he's down. I mean, it was his father that passed away. Yeah, but it was also his best friend. He was all, he was already going through a tough year uh, personally. Obviously, professionally, he had just won his third championship in a row. He was on top of the world in that regard. But on a personal level, he was fizzled out. He was tired of playing the game that he loved. And he just needed a break. And then in that same summer, for his father to be, it was a brutal murder. It wasn't. It wasn't like his father passed away of natural causes or a car accident or something like that. He was 
he was uh, murdered by two teenagers, I think. He was robbed and murdered. So for someone to have to go through something like that, and while you're still in the grieving process and mourning uh, one of the most beloved figures in your life, to have to also endure the slander by the media, it was definitely unfair. With that, let's bring it back to the funny. Welcome back, everybody, to Hoop and Loathing, episode four. And I want to get into, is Michael Jordan mentally weak? And it sounds stupid to say, ridiculously stupid to say, but I have to start questioning because what person at the peak of their form retires twice? Not once, but twice. Can we attribute it to the fact that maybe he was so intense that his candle was burning at both ends? But there's nothing by saying that would be saying that he's doing something that no one else has, has done before. Let's say if we were to compare him to another athlete from, let's say from his own Jordan line, uh, Derek Jeter, Derek Jeter was a top performer in his, in his field for almost two decades, never retired once. So just a question, is he weak? Is he unstable? What's going on there? Well, I think first of all, baseball, not to take anything away from baseball, but I think it's a much less physically demanding sport than basketball is. But the question you bring up, I think, makes me think of the old mantra um, that's very popular in sports and specifically basketball, which is play every game as if it's your last. And uh, I think it's a cliche that gets thrown around a lot and that players use a lot, that that's how they go about the game and that's how they go about their business. But I think very few people actually live like that because it's very taxing and it takes a toll on your body. And I think Jordan was one of those people that actually played every game as if it was his last. Uh, Allen Iverson is another, is another individual that played every game as if it was his last. And when you actually play like that, it's going to take a toll on you physically, emotionally, and mentally. So I don't think it's a matter of being mentally weak. I think it's just a matter of giving so much to the game that your expiration comes sooner than most based on your style of play and the way you approach the game. You know how we talk about when we talk about uh, sports figures, especially the great ones, how they always have that extra gear and they always empty the tank, like you just, like you said, in a different way. Do you think that there's a correlation that every time you empty set tank, you lose a little bit of the final product or your career will no longer have the longevity that it could have? Uh, I think to a certain degree, that's, uh, that's accurate to say. I mean... Most recently, uh, we saw that with Kevin Durant. He tried to come back from an injury too soon. Granted, we don't know his body, only he knows how he felt. And if he thought he was okay, then, you know, that was his decision to make. And he felt that he was good enough to play, and he came back, tried to go full speed, and his Achilles gave out. And so that's one instance where we see that, you know, basically trying to play every game as if it's your last, that could also, you know, fail on you too, because... When you're thinking about the game as a whole and you're trying to think of longevity and trying to make a career out of this, uh, thinking about your legacy, you got to think in the, about the long run as well. Game seven, two minutes left, down by four, and you empty the tank. You just empty it, empty it, empty it. You think that has a lasting effect on your longevity? I think that's where mental toughness plays a role because it, it takes a lot out of you to go all out like that on multiple occasions. And hypothetically speaking, let's say you keep doing that and you keep coming up short. Are you going to want to keep 
putting your body through that or subjecting yourself to that. F that. Michael Jordan is weak. Man is mentally weak. I've never worked at my job, gotten a raise. And then as soon as I got that raise, I'm like, F this, I'm out. And then come back, you know, a year later and be like, I want my job back and then quit again. It's a little weird. Why do you think he's weak? What makes him weak? Because I think we talked about, we talked about this before. He never had to go through certain aspects of fame that athletes and celebrities go through now. Although whatever he was going through at the time was the high, at the highest level of coverage that could possibly be because there was no bigger person than Michael Jordan. I'm just saying we've covered LeBron since he was like two years old and LeBron's never quit on nobody. He's quit on his team before in the finals and got called out for it, but he's never left and came back. I mean, he did leave, leave Cleveland and came back technically. Dude, I'm, Michael Jordan left the NBA. He said, F this. I'm going to go swing dicks in Birmingham, Alabama. See what's up. Deuces. Uh, I mean, no one really knows why he quit except for himself. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe he thought that he would be a great baseball player and maybe he wanted to take on that challenge himself, be a two-sport athlete like we see. Uh, I mean, it doesn't happen with basketball because it goes um, – it overlaps with other sports, their seasons. But we see it – we've seen it before in football and baseball. Uh, with Deion Sanders, who was a great, uh, very talented multi-athlete. And uh, maybe he wanted to take on that challenge and try to be not just the best basketball player of all time, but also cement his, himself in, in, in that realm, too, of baseball. You know why I call him mentally weak, too? Because I also think he's full of shit. Because when you talk, to M- when you talk about MJ, and maybe I'm putting words in his mouth, but when you talk about MJ, all you hear is rings, right? Championships mean everything. And here's Michael at 31 years old, having won his third consecutive title. And you could say whatever you want. Oh, Magic's never won three in a row. Bird's never won three in a row. But I believe Bird won four titles, right? And Magic won five. Even if I'm wrong about Bird, Magic has two more titles on you. He has two more championships on you. You have, you suddenly lost all motivation to want to eclipse and be the greatest of all time. Why are you so content that three rings? Why are you so content that just the three-peat? You have so much more to give. Maybe you don't. Are you frail mentally? Better yet, what I think it is, were you suspended for a year and a half? So you think there's some merit to that claim that he was suspended? Yeah, I think there's a goddamn credence to his suspension. I don't care what anybody says. You know, rest in peace, David Stern. But why would somebody tell the truth if he doesn't have to after so long? You already got away with the lie. All we have is speculations. And let's be frank about something. You know, we still live in a conservative society. Even though it's pretty liberal now, it was a lot more conservative then. And Michael was a compulsive gambler going around doing whatever the hell he wanted. Who knows if he had some charges somewhere that uh, got dropped or I don't know. I'm just saying. It seems like a, it so. seems like think, a bunch of crap. I think if he had charges anywhere, that would have made the public that, that would have uh, made the public eye at some point. But you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't make yeah, any sense. I don't think from a from a financial standpoint. David Stern would risk losing his biggest cash cow, even if it was for a year or two years. Dude. I mean, they say that no one person is bigger than than the sport, but at that point in time, Jordan was bigger than the sport. He was the reason why the sport was alive. Fine. But let's say you're a detective, right? Like the truth is usually right in front of you, or the the truth is usually the easiest answer or some crap like that. I don't know. I don't have a book of idioms. Let's look at the facts, right? Dude was balling, started crying, then he quit for a year and a half. 
in the middle in the middle of all this, he's had the toughest year of his life personally. Well, maybe not personally, but publicly, where his whole life is being dissected. All his faults are being dissected. He's in and out of the courtroom because of his actions. All of this looks bad. And then suddenly he wins a championship after that tumultuous season and he's gone. I understand his father died and I don't want to make it, I don't want to make light of it, but he did quit before his father died. According to him, he said he quit before his father died. Right. There was a, the reporter that was interviewed. He mentioned that during his time covering the dream team, the prior summer, Jordan had already basically made the decision that he would, that he would quit and pursue a career in baseball. So I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier is that, I mean, he, this is his ninth season in the league already. He's already won three championships. He's already surpassed. He beat Magic Johnson in the finals. I'm not sure he ever beat Larry's uh, Celtics in the playoffs. I don't think he did. But um, at that point, he was already being regarded as the greatest player of all time. He felt he had nothing left to prove. And so he wanted to take on a new challenge. And I think well, we don't him, know if he was being was regarded the, as the best player of all time. We know he was regarded oh, he was, as the best player was. at the moment. At that time, he was regarded as the best player to date. Yes. To play basketball. And it wasn't well, even close at that point. No, no, I'm not going to give you that. I'm going to say at that time, he was regarded as the best player playing at the moment. You know? No, he was already regarded as the greatest to ever have played. No, 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 no. I'm not, Magic Johnson is not giving Michael Jordan that title while Magic Johnson's in the league. Magic Johnson will give Michael Jordan the title as the greatest. Magic was out. Best. Magic was out of the league already. Okay, let's go back to the let's go back to the dream team, right? When Magic and Bird handed handed uh, Michael the reins to the NBA, at no point did Magic say, "Okay, Michael, you're the greatest player of all time." No, he just said, "The world is yours at the moment. Take it, young man. Go. Come on. I'm not giving no goddamn scrub." my title as the best player ever to play if i'm have two extra rings on his ass two more rings magic had five are we sure he had five yes magic johnson had five championships i'm not sure about freaking bird i think it was four you know it could have been three you know but magic had five at the time of his retirement why the hell would magic johnson be like here mj you're the greatest player ever of all time no hell no hell no that's, this is what I'm saying. It makes no sense. Like, Michael had a lot to play for. If winning is all he cared about, right? If winning and his legacy is what he cared about, maybe his legacy is not what he cared about. You know, his actions will show that maybe he didn't care about. Maybe it's just he wants to be the best at what he's doing when he's doing said thing. I also don't think that at the time, the number of championships was as important as it is today. Obviously, today, we, when we compare or we talk about who the greatest basketball player of all time is, we automatically shoot to six championships because that's the standard that Jordan, that Jordan set. But at that time, when Jordan was playing, it was you have to win a championship to be in the conversation, period. It doesn't necessarily matter how many you get. And Jordan won three in a row, which I think, he, I think the Bulls were the third team to do that. And Larry didn't do that. Magic didn't do that. So for Jordan, it was already, not only did I get my championship, I got three championships, three championships in a row, finals MVP, multiple MVPs. I'm a two-time Olympic gold champion. I won an NCAA title. I have nothing left to prove at this point. I've, I've won at the highest level at every level, college, Olympics, 
and professionally. So at this point, I have nothing left to do. And individually, statistically, he was the most proficient scorer. Um, obviously, he never topped the all-time scoring list, but his scoring average was unmatched. He still has the highest uh, scoring game in the playoffs, highest scoring average in the finals. For him, there was nothing left to do. There was nothing left to prove. Says you, listen, for the sake of my argument, I'm going to say that the titles did matter. And he clearly, he still had stuff to prove. That's why he came back. I'm just saying, if people are going to get on Takashi 6 ix ass for, for snitching and quitting on his uh, gang members or whatever the hell the street code says, then I'm calling Michael Jordan out, quitting on the NBA and quitting on his team and being a quitter and crying about it and quitting some more. All right. But I will give him credit though. So he retires, right? And then he picks up a penis and he swings it. Swings it hard. Plays pretty well. Baseball is uh, the hardest sport to play, in my opinion. It's all about failures in baseball. Like, you fail a lot more than you succeed. And for Michael to go in there at 31 years old and bat in 50 runs and hit, was it 202 or 220 or some shit like that? It's pretty impressive. Like, I got to admit. And he had a 13-game hit streak, which, granted, it's, it's the double A, but that's still impressive. Good for him. Do you, you think he would have made the major leagues if he kept at it? I mean, probably. Major League Baseball has proven that they're a bunch of whores for attention. They would have given him a spot, especially around that time, because they were like, they were about to be uh, in that strike. No sport has gotten more demolished by union than baseball. Like, all the momentum that that sport always built always ends with a strike. And then people stop paying attention for years. I think uh, one of the overlooked aspects of Jordan going to play baseball that uh, wasn't touched on during the documentary is that a lot of people were resentful of Jordan because they felt that he only earned or, or he only got that spot because of his celebrity status and not because he earned it. And that's, I mean, for a kid trying to, I mean, Jordan, it was Jordan's dream to play baseball, but he already, he already played professional basketball for nine years and he's taking a roster spot from a kid whose dream has always been to play baseball. And I think a lot of people resented him for that. And I think even in the media, people were, uh, there was a lot of backlash over that. And I, I think that's, that's a point that we should talk about and discuss because that wasn't, that wasn't mentioned at all in the documentary. Dude, 1,000, well, it was mentioned, first of all. He said that they had to bring him up to double A because the single A facilities didn't have, didn't have the, the capabilities of holding the media onslaught that comes with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan going straight to double A is affirmative action. And any freaking racist in the South in Birmingham, Alabama, that was trying to get on that team probably hates him for it. And I get it, but he's Michael freaking Jordan. So he does what he wants. And if, and if the owner of the White Sox wants to pay him for it, $3 million to go be a, a sideshow, then good for him. I'll take $3 million to go swing some dicks and be a sideshow. How do you, how do you feel about uh, that season without, the, without Jordan? That bull season without Jordan where Pippen took the lead, he took the reign, and he took him to the second round of the playoffs. Well, clearly Scotty wasn't ready. And you think that was a successful season? Yeah. You lose the best player in the NBA at the time, but Scotty wasn't ready. He did great in the, during the regular season, and there was moments in the playoffs where he did amazing as well. But I don't, I don't, think, he was, I don't think that team was meant to be ready to take on the burden of not having Michael Jordan. I think uh, for a lot of people that – that share your opinion that LeBron is the greatest player of all time or that someone not named Michael is the greatest player of all time. 
they often point to that season and um, like to highlight the fact that the Bulls only lost uh, or, or only won two less games than the year before that they had Michael. And uh, they try to, I guess, point to the fact that Jordan didn't really have such a big impact on the Bulls as someone like, let's say, LeBron when he left Cleveland and they became a lottery team the following year. That sentiment you were saying before when we started that Michael played his hardest every game, I don't think, I don't think he did. I think Michael Jordan was human, like every other athlete on the planet. And if you play an 82-game season, you're going to coast sometimes, you know? And all that shows about the record is that you have Michael and you lose sleep at the wheel sometimes because you know what you have in your team, but you know how to turn it on in the playoffs. When it comes to Scotty and those Bulls, I give them credit. They won a lot of games, but it's not fair to, for it to somehow be a detraction for Michael because at the end of the day, you have a championship winning team. You lose one player. I understand who that player is. You should still be able to compete. I'm not saying you're going to win the championship, but you should still be able to compete. And that's what they did. They took the New York Knicks to seven games. What do you think of Scotty refusing to enter the game because the last play wasn't drawn up for him? Dude, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that you brought in Tony Kukoc and you, you first of all, slap in the face. You take my money, you pay this white boy. Boom. That's strike one. Strike two. You've taken the ball out of my hands numerous times throughout the season to give to Kukoc. Good for him. He's come through. But I feel like I've proven to you and I've earned, not even proven. I feel like, I've, like he earned his right to have the ball in his hands. Like, for example, the Miami Heat right now. If you're a real Heat fan, you know that Jimmy Butler with a ball in his hand under a minute to go is not, you kind of sweat a little, you're shaking a little. Same thing with D. Wade, like in his latter years. But these players have earned the right to do that. You shut the hell up and you let them go. If Scotty wants to dribble on five people and kick the ball out of bounds, it's his right, bro. He's won you three rings. Shut the hell up and give him the ball. Like, look what you did. Okay, great. Tony Kukoc made the shot. You won, you won that game. You won that series. Wow, clappy clap. Wow, wow, wow. Look what else you got. You got a freaking, you got an unhappy team. You got an unhappy star. And for what? For nothing. Tony Kukoc don't play no goddamn defense. Yeah, I agree a thousand percent. Uh, I think anybody that plays basketball would agree because, number one, yeah, Tony Kukoc has come up clutch throughout the year, but that's, I mean, there's no question. That's Scotty's team. With Michael gone, that's, that's Scotty's team. He's the leader. He's the captain. The ball should go to him. And Real quick, just pause on that sentiment and get back to it. Not only is it Scotty's team at that time, but even when Michael was on that team, there were nights when that was Scotty's team, even with Michael there. All right, go. I'm sorry. Just and, stupid. And, yeah, uh, Kukoc, yeah, like I said, he came up big throughout the season. But Scotty's been coming up big for the last seven, eight years that he's been in the league. He's, along with Jordan, obviously, the reason why this franchise is where it's at. So you don't just throw away the last eight years of, of, of Scotty being Scotty for one year of Kuko hitting a couple of big shots. And granted, uh, in hindsight, it turned out to be the right play because Kuko did hit that shot, but at what expense? Yeah, hindsight's bullshit. It was not the right play. Not at all. Right. You know, you cause team dysfunction for what? You cause chemistry problems for what? For nothing. 
for and a fucking win. Losing, they did end up losing that series to the Knicks. So uh, we, we don't know what would have happened if uh, the ball had gone to Scotty, if they would have won that game, if they would have won the series. But uh, I think that was as, as good of a coach as Phil Jackson is, probably one of the best in the history of the game. That was not the, that was not the right call. Phil's a revolutionary, man, a revolutionary thinker. Maybe that's not the right word. I'm, not, I'm giving him way too much power. He's a 21st century man. You know, he's uh, he thinks differently. He's not all macho, macho all the time, which good on him. You know, all that yoga and rah, rah and team camaraderie and stuff. But at some point you have to put put all that to the side and common sense needs to prevail. And how about this? You like I just said, you preach team camaraderie, team chemistry. How on earth do you think this is not going to mess up team chemistry? This is stupid. This is so stupid. He's a jackass. So now going back to my old, my previous point that LeBron fans like to throw throw around uh, in favor of him being the greatest of all time, we saw how much that Bulls team struggled the following season without Jordan, and um, obviously I I have to say that without Horace Grant too, who who had a pivotal role on the team, but they were they were basically a 500 team throughout the whole season until Jordan came back. Okay, so what you want to give you want to take a not you personally, but people that say that, you know, what do you want to detract from the man because his organization was shitty? No, when you're building a championship team, it's from the ground up. I would expect that a championship team have solid players on the roster and not just solid, but good players on the roster. And, and the championship team not only has those good players, but they also have a good system and they play well together. LeBron's my favorite player. I think LeBron's the best player of all time. And kudos to him for taking a garbage-ass team to the playoffs. But ask him now if he would have rather taken a better team to the playoffs and a better team to the finals. And he'll say, give me a better team. I'm not going to fault Michael for having a general manager that knows, knows what he's doing. You don't think that the Cavaliers being a, a lottery team after LeBron left and the Bulls still being a, a playoff team and a championship contender after Jordan left, you don't think that that has an impact on the greatest of all time conversation? No, I think, I, think those are, I think those are stupid points. Here's why. We all know Michael played with Scotty. And if you were one of those stupid people that never gave Scotty his credit or that didn't recognize Scotty's ability, that's on you. We knew that he won with Scotty. He didn't win without Scotty. He won with Scotty. And he had a good collection of players. You could say that, you know, you could say to the detriment of Scotty, hey, Scotty, man, you couldn't win without Michael. Whatever. Michael didn't win without you. You, but... You have to give Michael his roses if you're going to use that argument and say, hey, listen, with Michael, that team won a championship, never, never went to a game seven. Without Michael, first year, game seven, lose in the semifinals, Eastern Conference semifinals. And as far, again, as far as LeBron goes, like I'll, I'll say it again, LeBron James, great for him that he took a shitty team to the playoffs. Great for him. I guarantee if you talk to him, he doesn't want to have to take a shitty team to the playoffs. He'd rather take a good team to the playoffs and win with a good and you know win the finals with a good team than a shitty team. You know, that's stupid argument. Hey people, if you think that, you're stupid. Look at me. Look at me. Hear me. Hear me. You're stupid. Go watch baseball. Going back to the point we were talking about earlier about Jordan being mentally weak or arguing whether he was mentally weak or not. Do you think if he would have never retired? the Bulls would have reeled off eight, eight straight championships? No. But that's Not it. at all. Uh, I think from watching basketball for as long as we have, we know one thing. 
Nobody's Superman. Nobody. The closest thing to Superman we've ever seen is LeBron James, right? Physically. Everybody gets tired. If you're going to play 82 games and then have to go to the playoffs and make to the final year after year after year, you're just going to burn out. And then on top of that, we're going to act, we're going to act like him retiring for a year and a half wasn't helpful. He got the break that he needed because, yes, he was playing baseball, but those are different muscle groups and stuff, apparently. It's like that argument that athlete that like people say, hey, man, don't play one sport all year long. Switch it up with the seasons like Wayne Gretzky. All right, whatever. But yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think Michael's move was strategic to a to a certain degree. I think he was thinking or planning for the for the marathon and not the sprint. I think he realized I think deep down he knew he would he would come back. I think he just needed a break from basketball and um and I think he knew that he needed some time off to regroup and kind of get that motivation back because he knew that he couldn't keep going at this rate and be successful with, uh, with the way his, the, his career was progressing. You know how else I know he wouldn't have won? Because there was a guy in Houston named Hakeem Olajuwon who gets no respect because apparently we, he only won when Michael wasn't playing. Bullshit. Michael came back for that second half of the, the, the second year. He didn't go nowhere. He lost to Shaq and Penny and Nick Anderson and garbage as Orlando Magic who weren't so garbage back then. All jokes aside, we need to put some more respect on the ballers that played in that same in that era. You know, Barkley, Olajuwon, Shaq, someone would have gotten him. Like he's not winning eight in a row. I don't care how good he is. He's not winning eight in a row. You know, though the only time you're gonna win eight, ten in a row is with the Bill Russell era. When you're the only when you're one of uh, two black guys in the whole league of like short white people, unathletic as white racists. That was a completely different league back then. I, that was before the NBA ABA merger, I, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was far fewer teams. There was a lot less traveling. If I'm not mistaken, the seasons were a lot shorter. The playoffs were a lot shorter. So it's, I mean, 11 championships and 13 seasons is still quite a feat, but it, it doesn't compare to an 82, an 82 game season and a potentially 16 plus game playoff season. Uh, the way it's built now. Yeah. Uh, how about this? Speaking of, it's kind of the same topic. How crazy is Michael Jordan? Legitimately. To have to fake arguments and fake uh, slights from people just to stay motivated. Yeah. Prove me wrong. No, I agree. He, he's, he's crazy. But I, I guess, you know, the best artists out there are a little crazy to be the best at their craft. And if that's what it took to get him going, when, you know, he had already reached Mount Everest and he was still trying to climb higher and higher. You know, that's what it took for him to get, to keep going. I remember stories of Kobe doing this crap and always saying, Kobe, you're full of shit. Like what the hell's wrong with you? Do you have, you have to hate somebody in front of you? You have to hate everybody in order to play well? One of my favorite stories from uh, these last two episodes was Jordan and Kerr going at it because. Well, how about this? Hold on. Before you go into specifically Kerr, how do you feel about his relationship with his teammates? There's a lot of give and take there. For a lot of his teammates, he brought out the best in them, and there was no other way to bring out that talent in them. But I think for a lot of other players that are probably more sensitive or don't take to that kind of mental and emotional abuse, he actually, it was to their detriment. You know, And I think, obviously, this wasn't during the, 
the Jordan and the Bulls era, but we saw that in the Washington Wizards years when he drafted Kwame Brown. Who, uh, you know, in hindsight, it was the it was potentially or possibly the biggest draft bust in NBA history. But at the time, nobody was laughing about him going number one. And I think it's my it's my personal opinion that he could have been a really good player, and he just mentally he couldn't take that abuse from Michael. Let's say he had someone like LeBron as 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 a teammate or as a coach or a GM or whatever, or even a Scottie Pippen who he's the type of person that he'll put his arm around you and give you that support that you need. You know, that some players need that kind of support to bring out the best in them. So I think for a lot of players that Jordan played with during that Bulls era, he did bring out the best in a lot of them, but for a lot of others, not so much. We've seen it done different ways, star players in different sports and how they handle their teammates. I don't think necessarily you have to be so mean or in for lack of a better term, but I will say this clearly he was doing it the only way he knew how to do it. But at one point, do you question whether he had the right to mentally abuse and physically abuse those around him? If someone came up to you, right. And started yelling at you and shit. That's one thing, especially if you're in a sport professionally. But if someone throws a blow at you and they're supposed to be teammates, they don't have the right to do that. How would you respond personally? You, you're not taking that shit. No, I'm not taking that shit from anybody. I think that happens a lot in sports. You know, you're uh, in basketball, you're with the team, you're playing 82 games a season plus playoffs. You're going to be with these people. You're going to spend more time with these people than you are with your own family. So these people become your family. And there's going to be times where you get sick of them. There's going to be times where you get tired of them. You don't want to deal with them. And... You know, there's going to be times where you just get annoyed to the point where it, it breaks out into a physical altercation. See, no, that shouldn't ever be, though. You should never. But, that, but that's the norm. Be. That's the norm. Is it the norm? Because how yeah. often do you hear about it now? It's not the norm. You Can we agree on that? Like, when it does happened. happen, it's news. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that these things happen during practices that are closed off to media. So nobody, nobody's ever going to talk about that. Nobody's ever going to hear about that. But I think it happens more often than, than we're privy to. Maybe, maybe. I'm just saying. You know, not to say that Jordan wasn't an asshole, because I've always been a firm believer that he's been an asshole and he emotionally and verbally abused his teammates. But I, in the same documentary, I saw, I, saw, um, I saw Charles Oakley slap Scottie Pippen in the face when he was the rookie. Okay. And, okay. you know, that... He pat him on the face. No, he, he, he smacked him in the face. And, you know, the NBA and any other sport, it's like a fraternity. There's going to be hazing going on. You're going to... You're gonna, tease your rookies or you're going to have them doing whatever you want to, whatever you want to want them to do or whatever. But, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot worse going on than what Jordan did. And certainly none of those people are on Jordan's level. So listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. I'm not because there's a guy on my team right now who does the same shit, had an incident in Minnesota a couple years back <clears> that forever lives in infamy where he took the, be- the practice players, the practice squad, the bench players, kicked the starter's ass, and then verbally abused them and then walked off the court. And I love that guy. Jimmy Butler, I love you. I love you, Jimmy. You're my yes, dude. Sir. So I'm not trying to hate on the guy because there's a time and a place, and I think clearly sports is one of those places and the locker room is one of those places where testosterone flows and things happen. It's just, I don't know, something to consider because – Jimmy took a lot of shit for that when it happened to him, when he did it, when he did what he did to Carl Anthony Towns in practice. And some people say rightfully so, 
But did we ever give MJ the same kind of shit? Maybe we did. I'm just saying. I don't know. For me, it's more of a morality thing. Who gives you the right to make my life terrible? I think what it boils down to is that you have a lot of people uh, that are just in the league because they're good enough to be there. They're tall. They're big. They're athletic enough to be there. But they don't really care about winning. Uh, They're just there to collect the paycheck for all intents and purposes. And, yeah, there's going to be players that care about winning. But how much are you really about winning? How much are you willing to sacrifice? How much work are you willing to put in? And for Jordan, it was my will to win is up here. And if you're not going to match me, then I'm not going to fuck with you. And I think for Jimmy Butler, it's the same way. And we know the, the culture that Pat Riley has developed down here in South Florida. And so we know that the team is about winning too. So that's why I think Jimmy Butler fits perfectly with this team. But going back to Jordan, you know, if he's, that's why he got along, I think, well with, with Scotty, because Scotty was about winning too when he put in the work that was necessary to get to that level. But for players that he saw that weren't willing to put in that work and weren't committed to winning, he was going to let them have it. Because if Jordan, who's the best player of all time, is putting in the work, then you, Scott Burrell, or whomever, you got to be willing to put in that work too. Listen, man, you and me are going to have to have a private conversation one day about what the hell that means. Because all these guys that make it to that highest level, they've all sacrificed a shit ton. They've all put in an immense amount of work to get there. But we'll move on for this one. You know, because I honestly, it gets overlooked a lot when it comes to Michael, that we just assume that he retired, won three rings, retired, won three more rings, retired. We forget that he was already in the league nine years before he won his first championship. We also forget that he did play a, a half a season where he went to the playoffs and didn't win, you know, wearing the number 45. Do you think 45 Jordan counts or have we completely erased him from our lexicon? We just only associate 23 with Michael and 23 is only associated with the highest caliber of winning. No, I don't think 45 is forgotten, but I, I do think he's underappreciated. I mean, he dropped 55 points at Madison Square Garden five games five games after being a year and a half removed from the game. You know, looking back on that series with Orlando, he had one mistake where he uh, gave up the ball to Nick Anderson. They had the lead at the time. They could have very easily won that game. And that could have changed the whole, that could have changed the whole series. You know, they could have gone on to win that series. And then I, I don't know who, who they would have faced in the conference finals. And then they would have faced Houston potentially in the NBA finals. So, we're just one play away from potentially seeing Michael Jordan get another championship his first year back. There's a generation of people that don't know that Michael Jordan played more than six years in the NBA. There's a generation of people that also don't know how many times he lost in the playoffs. And there's also a generation like me, for example, that didn't know Michael Jordan wore 4-5 until they heard it on a Jay-Z line. Maybe 45 didn't count. I think it was just like scrubbed from the record book. It might have been a good thing for that for that Bulls team that 45 did, did come back as 45 because that set the stage for their 72-win season in 95-96. That's crazy that you can, only, you can go 82 games and only freaking lose 10. I actually want to get into something really important and hits close to home to a lot of people. As I've been watching this, when did MJ go home? When did the hair disappear? Because I could have sworn I was just watching one minute and he had a nice fade. And I'm watching today, and he's completely shaved. 
what the hell happened? When did this happen? I wasn't even paying attention. Like, it got me again. It was, it was such a smooth transition. You couldn't even tell when it happened. It, you had, he had hair his rookie season, and then I feel like it was just gone the next season. Like, I, can, I picture two MJs, right? right? I picture the MJ in his first or second year wearing that choker with his nice skin fade. And then I picture MJ with his tongue out, uh, you know, bald, like, you know, doing the Dr. J shit. Like, I don't know when the fuck the thing happened. Because when it comes yeah. to LeBron, like, nah, that's not a good example. Because when I think of LeBron, I only think of him bald or receding, even when he was young. So I take that back. MJ, which I don't goes, know when it happened, but good on you. Which goes to show just how much things have changed because – with social media today, every single day we're asking, yo, when is LeBron going to go home? When is he going to come home? Shave that thing <laughs> off. With Jordan, it, it happened, and we didn't even, nobody even talked about it. It just happened. Nobody even noticed. Yo, you think Michael was insecure about his hair as much as LeBron is? I don't think so. Do you think if, if Michael Jordan had access to Bosley the way Brian Urlacher has? By the way, if you ever go to Chicago now, everywhere in Chicago they have, like, these fucking Bosley commercial billboards. and one of them is some baseball player that I don't care about, some old school baseball player. And the other ones are all Brian Urlacher. And if you remember Brian Urlacher as a player, the man was freaking like Mr. Clean, like super bald, you know, shiny yeah. head. And now he has like this nice comb over part. Where the hell did all this hair come from? No, are you serious? Yeah, I swear to God. I swear on my life. I have not seen that. If you, whenever you go back to Chicago, just look for the freaking Bosley billboards and Brian Urlacher's full head of hair. Do you think MJ would have done it? I don't think so. I don't think he cares about that. Nah. I don't know, man. I kind of I hope that deep down, like, he does care about his hair. And it was, like, one of the few battles in his life he couldn't overcome. So, secretly, he's such a dick because <laughs> he's just used to taking all these weird L's at home. <laughs> oh, man. Did you, see, did you see that sign in the 72 season when they were playing in the finals in Seattle that says legalized Kemp? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking God bless Seattle, bro. Yep. God bless Seattle. They should have never lost their team. I, I don't even know why they lost their team. Greed. NBA wanted a new state, a new arena, or the owner wanted a new arena. Paid for by the city, and the city said no. I would imagine they would want a new arena, though. I don't know. There's not a lot of space over there to, like, build shit. Unless you're going to build it, like, south in the Kent area. Or five fairy or some shit like that. Yeah, I'm getting real specific with you. <laughs> but yeah, man. Yo, Seattle needs a team. Yeah, like Seattle tomorrow, deserves bro. a team. Seattle deserves a team. They have a really strong fan base. And just historically, man, Seattle has been a good franchise from Gary Payton and Sean Kemp to Ray Allen and uh what's his name? Big dog Glenn Robinson. And then KD's first year in the league was with Seattle. So yeah, KD and Westbrook's year with Luke Ridnour and Vladimir uh, and him and uh, the guy that ended up retiring, the Udonis Richard Haslam Lewis. of OKC. Oh, uh, man. You know what I'm talking about, right? Collison. Yeah, that sucks so, for them, bro. Seattle has had a lot of good players come through there, and uh, I know the fans are, are really big on basketball, so Seattle definitely deserves a team, man. Dude, if I, if I lived on the West Coast, and shout out to all the West Coast people because the West Coast is awesome. I get it. I get it why you hate East Coast people and why you think there's a bias. I get it. And I also understand why Los Angeles try to o- tries to overcompensate everything by having like 20 teams in one city. I get it. Seattle's like, 
outside outside of uh outside of all the ca- of uh the southern california cities and i guess san obviously san francisco too seattle's the biggest city in the west coast so it would be what it would be la san francisco san diego sacramento seattle portland i actually i'd put seattle over sacramento yeah i don't understand how sacramento has a team with all these teams in in california already and sacramento's not even that far off from from the bay area so yeah, I don't. Mm. What is it? A few hours? Yeah, it's a few hours. And you know, but it's know. like a it's like a completely different it's a completely different vibe though. Like when you go to Sacramento, it's like young, and it's also like super close to like Napa Valley. So it has this really it's, it has like this completely different like vibe than the Bay Area, you know. So I kind of get that. You know, I don't want to throw shade anywhere. I'm just saying, yeah, no, Seattle no, deserves their fucking team. No knock on any existing franchise. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying California, granted it's a big state, but they have plenty of teams. Like we can give we can give Seattle or we can give uh Washington State one team, man. Washington I will say this. state too. I will say this. I'll give you this one. And maybe maybe they maybe they know something about it logistically that I don't and about the demographics and how it would work. But it's kind of weird that Sacramento got a team before San Diego. I mean San but, Diego used to have a franchise way back in the day. So you know something I don't, bro, because I never knew that. Yeah, what I what I don't understand is why LA has two teams, and I think I think that's what it is. San Diego moved to LA, the Clippers. Los Angeles is the second biggest market in the United States, and being that, it's one of the biggest markets in the world. And just like New York, you have multiple teams. Even before the the Nets moved to Brooklyn, the Nets were literally right across the right across the Hudson. You know, if you've ever been to New York, it's not that hard to get to Jersey. So you still had two teams in the in the area. It makes me sad, you know, because. I got a lot of friends in Seattle. Well, not a lot. I got one friend, and he has friends. Let me be specific. They're good peeps over there. Yeah, they deserve Hoops, a team. Hoops they're kind of crazy. in the Northwest, so man, we got to bring it back. If Portland has a team, I mean, I'm thinking logistically, like, I know Seattle's way up in the Northwest, but if Portland has a team, I don't understand why Seattle can't have a team, too. What do you think the Seattle team would be called? The Smokers? <laughs> the Kemps? The, the Rollers? The Sippers? The zippers, the Seattle zippers. Maybe maybe they should hold a contest. <laughs> Whatever. All right, real quick before we go for tonight. Dun dun dun. I don't know what the fuck just happened there. Brain fart. So I've been playing a lot of fucking PS4, and I feel like I've been doing it wrong because I've had my PS4 for years now, and outside like of a span of three months, a couple of years ago, I've never had online, and I finally decided to get online, and I think I've been injecting copious amounts of Call of Duty Warzone into my veins. And I don't think it's healthy. I'm just, if, if anybody hears this and wants to reach out and help me out, reach out because uh, it's, it's, it's getting bad. It's a disease. So what happens, man? You get hooked. Dude, that game is ridiculous. I, I, I was playing yesterday. I was getting yelled at by a 12-year-old. Like some white, some white kid, some white 12-year-old somewhere was calling me like the N-word all over the place. Whoever thinks racism is dead, play p- PS. Uh, PlayStation or Xbox online for 20 minutes and your opinion is you're going to think a lot differently. After yeah, that. but you know what? I don't blame that kid because I was so bad that I deserved every single N-word that I got thrown my way. Like every single one. I deserved it all. Man, that's why I don't even like playing teams on those things, man. I, I'd rather do the the individual or free-for-all, but like one-man team and I, nobody's got to 
depend on me. I'm going to just look out for me, bro. Shut up, Michael. Shut up. We were playing Warzone, and you ditched us. You goddamn ditched hey, us. You went to go I'm get not... two kills, and everybody else got killed because of you. You're horrible. Nah, y'all got killed because y'all suck. Man. All right. I was taking names, though. That's it. Shut up. We're out. <laughs>